Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Stolen Science Podcast. I am Kendall Gilmet, alongside Sabre Research Award winner Harry Pavlidis. Hello, Harry. Hello, Kendall. I was the fourth author. Wayne Boyle, Jeff Long, Sean O'Rourke, and myself. This And this was the um, Robo Strike Zone piece research, right? Yes. The, yeah. the piece that we published about a year ago now. It was early, yes, it was. early in the year, I think. And yeah, it covered very in-depth all the stuff about uh, the prospects of automating the strike zone and what the technology is and what it isn't, what the limitations are, what stuff in the rule book goes covers a lot of ground. And uh, we were pretty excited to just be nominated. <laughs> I'm really surprised to win. So uh, it's really cool. It's good to have work that we hope would be relevant turn out to be <laughs> more, even more relevant to be. Could have hoped in our wildest dreams. So Yes. And cool. it's going to be extra relevant, as we'll talk about at the end of the show today. <laughs> Congratulations so. to you, Harry, and to Jeff and Wayne and Sean, um, and to all the other winners. Um, congratulations. Sure, Ring and Pittsburgh won in the other categories. We are recording this on Pi Day. Oh, yes. So have pizza, have, have pie for dessert, and do some, do some like circles and stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, Measure my, distance. A friend of mine, his birthday is today, and um, he's a math teacher. And so it's kind of a, a funny thing that his birthday is on Pi Day, but it is. That works out really well. Uh, yeah, so today we have Jared Diamond on from the Wall Street Journal, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff, including two-way players, new rule changes uh, that yeah. MLB announced today about roster limits and two-way players and uh, all different types of things. And then talk a little bit about Jared's new book that will be, I think, coming out this fall, he said. So we will be talking about that. Before we kick it over to Jared, um, you can follow us on Twitter at stolen underscore signs. You can rate and review us, please, on iTunes or Google or whatever. You can subscribe there. Uh, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever's, and uh, yeah. So uh, share it with a friend too, and um, you can also shoot us an email: stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus dot com, and uh, we will reply and maybe talk about it on the show if that works. Um, but we will be right back with Jared Diamond. Stick around. Welcome. Uh, we're talking with Jared Diamond today from the Wall Street Journal. Hey, Jared. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Jared, I hope you understand the new rule. Uh, I... I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I just earlier this morning called somebody at MLB specifically because I was curious about how all of this uh, affected two-way players because it's very strange. (laughs) This idea about designating pitchers and position players and whatnot. But it doesn't sound like it's as complicated as I thought. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, I read the press release and was like, at first, like, you know, everybody was talking about it. And then, like, everybody was like, oh, no, everything's, the sky is falling. And I read it and I was like, I don't think it's going to change that much in terms of, like, usage patterns and, um, and, and things like that. Jared, when you talked to somebody at the MLB office, was there, did they say anything in terms of, like, how this might affect or... Well, I was particularly curious about how everything's going to work with two-way players. Mm-hmm. But general, in, in the general sense, I agree with you. I, I think we've seen that baseball fans, especially baseball fans on the internet, do not react well to change, <laughs> no matter what it is. Maybe you've seen this. That's fair. Uh, Maybe I, I have noticed this. That you're a very keen observer of human behavior. Yes. <laughs> if you remember, if you remember last year in February when Major League Baseball announced there's going to be six mound visits a game and no more, that became a what five day debate over right. whether this is going to ruin baseball. And then the season started, 
And I never heard about it again because it really didn't matter or impact anything at all. And honestly, I feel that way a little bit again now. Uh, I, I like the roster changes and this three batter rule. Like I get that people are, are losing their minds over it. I am not. I yeah. don't think it's going to be nearly as big of a problem as people think. Uh, will it affect some pitchers? People say, well, it's going to cost some pitchers jobs. I do sympathize for those people. It's true. The, the Jerry Blevinses of the world uh, are going to become less valuable. So it is going to potentially cost some individual players value and jobs. But they're ultimately going to be replaced by other players that are conceivably better equipped to uh, handle both hand batters. And I don't necessarily think specialization is a good thing for baseball necessarily. I don't, I guess I'm just surprised how many fans are, are, are mourning the, the death of the loogie. Uh, I didn't realize that was something fans cared so much about until today. Just say we wouldn't have gotten those extra 15 years of Jesse Orozco with these rules, though. And look, and I think there's going to be managerial strategic decision-making, right? I mean, <laughs> this this is the best part. That, do you see what Joe Madden just was reported as saying? What did he say? That, that he doesn't like rules dictating strategy. Which oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> because that's how games work. There's rules. And you strategize and apply yeah. tactics. That makes that makes absolutely no sense. And the reality is, I think that I'm not trying to sound Pollyanna-ish, although I really, uh, maybe I'm just becoming more of an adult, but I just don't have it in me anymore to get angry about anything baseball does in this particular regard, because it, it'll be fine. It just will be fine. I, I, nothing, I can't imagine baseball doing anything rules-wise so egregious that I stop loving baseball unless they just turn baseball into another sport. So maybe this is just a sign of my own uh, maturity as I as I enter my 30s. But that said, <laughs> that's it. I do kind of like this idea of okay, you know, Bryce Harper's coming up. There's two outs. Uh, big situation. Do you bring in a lefty knowing that if he does not retire Bryce Harper, he's going to have to face Reese Hoskins, uh, or do you bring in a pitcher who's less equipped to retire Harper, but would be better equipped to retire the next batter. So there's definitely some thought processes there. People, I think we have to remember, you don't, this does not apply if you finish the inning. So if you come in with two outs and you get your job done as a pitcher, Dang. well, you could face one batter and come out, you know? I right. think it's going to be <clears throat> the, the only situation where I think people are going to be like, this is really bad is if the pitcher's obviously just stinking it up and they've pitched themselves into a bad situation. But as a manager, you now have to manage differently. You now can't say, you do have to pick your pitcher a little better. You have, you have to say, can this guy get the third guy if the first two guys are already, you know, you have to start managing that way. Well, I think too, what Jared said, what you were saying earlier, Jared, about um, different like roster construction changes, you know, like, you're just going to have to roster more versatile pitchers or pitchers who can handle both sides of, of the plate. So I think that is, it's not only a managerial decision, it's a, uh, like a general manager decision and, and a roster construction consideration. So I think that'll be an interesting change, change too. You're going to make changes yeah. more, more important. And why, and why is it bad for fans that the game is prioritizing uh, versatility over specialization? I don't, uh, I don't specialization in baseball has changed the game fundamentally and I'm not so sure it's necessarily been for the best. I don't specialization is a part of why the games have gotten longer, why the games have gotten slower. Um, I don't, and again, I don't, I don't want to sound like, an, uh, like I'm not progressive. I don't want to sound like I'm not open to new ideas because I, I am. And I understand why the game has evolved the way it has, but why is specialization in baseball necessarily uh, viewed as this thing that we must preserve? Why, why wouldn't we reward players that are more versatile, players that can uh, do more things? Frankly, I, we've seen that in other areas of the game, right? 
guys with positional versatility are more valuable than ever uh, today. And right. I think it's sort of now going to be the same with pitchers that get all batters out, not just one hand. And I don't, I really just don't have a problem with it. And I'm a little surprised just how many people do, I suppose. Well, I think, I think it's, it's going to make pitchers have to be throw more changeups because uh, you can't just be a fastball slider guy and come out of the bullpen. You, yeah, you can, you can be exactly. far more exposed and far more likely to be exposed, and you know it's just it just increases the the need for pitchers to have better repertoires. Yeah, it's, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe starting pitchers will have to go longer in the games because oh, wait, 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 you just wait. because you just can't um, mix and match the whole game. Like maybe that's how this ends. Like, and I'm not saying it will. I'm not even necessarily saying that's that's good or bad. I'm not putting a value judgment on it. But uh, I I don't really see a problem with you know fewer pitchers appearing in games, uh, forcing pitchers to do a little bit more. Especially as uh, I think we could all agree, everyone I think agrees, even the most sort of hardcore traditionalists in this way or progressive people or whatever, is that uh, there is not enough contact in baseball right now. There's just not. To me, uh, for everything going on in baseball, uh, the ball in play situation is the most alarming. It's the one that I think needs to have the most aggressive um, fixes to improve. And maybe this is a relatively painless way of doing that. Uh, how, many plays per, how many plays per game are we losing in the field? Right now? I don't know. That's your job. Aren't you guys? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no it's not. It's, you just made a claim. I, I don't know. I thought maybe you had the answer. Um, oh, no. I don't. Because I, 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 no, I, like, I totally disagree with you also. That it's bad because oh, one, it's maybe one or two plays a game. It's not that much. Uh, the notion that batting pitching matchups are not exciting, especially since most people are watching on a television, so they can see the pitchers. It's not like they're at the stadium. Um. So yeah, no, I totally disagree with the premise that it's the did, biggest problem in the game. I don't think I don't even guys, think it's a problem. I think it's a made up problem. And, did you guys read uh, Travis Sawchuk's story on Five Thirty Eight? Maybe two weeks ago, about the rise in foul balls yes. in baseball. Yeah. I thought that was a fascinating. That is crazy. Story. It is something that I've been talking about for a while. Not in quite that turn. The way he did it was so great. Um, but one thing I had been saying was the biggest baseball talk so much about wanting to make the game shorter, without acknowledging that the reason the games are long in the first place is not actually about pitching changes. And not about commercials, although those are factors. The biggest reason why the games have gone longer is there's literally more pitches per game than ever before. And every single year, the average pitches per plate appearance uh, sets a new record. Every single year or comes very close to setting a new record. Part of that is approach, changes in approach. This idea that we should work the count, get into deep counts, use your A swing on everything. But part of it's also because the pitching is so good, as Travis points out. It's just like more like miscontact leading to more foul balls. So more two strike counts, more defensive hitting. I mean, there's it's, I agree that like it's changed, but I don't think that's bad. I think to me bad can, because some of us consume the game because our favorite part of it is the bad and pitching. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful aesthetically than a nicely turned double play. And so I agree that if we are losing 0.2 of those per game, if that, that might be a problem for people, but I, I don't think I, I think it's people either are claiming it's a problem or it isn't a problem that I, it's not as big as I think pe- pe- people say it is. But because one of the most exciting things is what goes on at the plate when it's guys like Joey Votto and how they foul off everything and just spoil pitchers pitches. So it's definitely it's always been a batter's pitchers game ever since they were able to, you know, ever since the batter's able to stop calling his spot, <laughs> you know, so for the past 110 right. years, it's become. And so I think we're. I think what we can agree on is that it's kind of at what may be a pinnacle of it being a batter pitcher game. Um, I don't necessarily think that's bad. I don't necessarily think the impact is as large as it, some people think, maybe. <laughs> but I, don't, I think I don't what's think happening the- at the plate is amazing because what you have now is the pitchers with the, you know using tech are ahead. 
in many ways with using technology for pitch design. But the batting and the batting coaching and the training techniques are, are catching up with that. We're, we're at the point where there's not much you can do as a defender to be better, you know, but because but, there's not where all the repetition is, where everything that happens in the game and more now is, is how many pitches are thrown. So this probably probably the best way to like tune the game is tune the strike zone, right? Well, man, I have, I have so many thoughts. First of all, shameless plug: if you want to hear more about the hitting coaching world and how <laughs> everything you described is changing, stay tuned about ten months and read my book on that exact topic when it comes out. Uh, Excellent. That is going to be great. My manuscript is due to the publisher. Uh, well, from the time we're recording this in six weeks. Oh my God! So, yeah. Can, what can you tell us? Uh, what what can I like? tell you? I could tell you that you're 100 percent right. That from a technological standpoint, pitching has been far ahead of hitting for decades. Uh, hitting is just starting to catch up, and it's coming from places you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, technology has played a big part of it. For sure. And in those regards, I think it is from some of the people you'd expect. But a lot of this other stuff is really just come from the grassroots. Um, the, I mean, we've all read stories about J.D. Martinez and others going to Santa Clarita to go hit in a warehouse with a 70-year-old man whose only technology is a video, you know, is a is a DVD player, basically, and a tiny little video camera. And he's Craig Wambrock, who's taught, you know, major leaguers who were out of, about to be out of the game and turn them into stars. Uh, this is a guy that's been trying to teach this stuff for since the 1970s, and it took until about 2010 until anyone believed he actually knew what he was talking about. So it's it's a really interesting world. And is it, uh, yeah, famous plug. Is it, um, would you say, uh, and I don't want you to give too much away here, Jared, but is it because of the mindset of the hitter like they didn't i don't like know or want to ask for help in a different way or something like that whereas um i don't know like do you know does that question make any sense i do know what you mean yeah I, I understand what you're saying i think one thing i've learned from doing this book um and this what i'm about to say doesn't only apply to hitting but um but specifically in the case of my book it does and that's what baseball is just now, Major League Baseball is just now, really like the last 12 months, has really started to learn, is that the people who have been hired as coaches in the Major Leagues for the last 100 years uh, have no real qualifications for those jobs. Uh, the only qualification for Major League coaching jobs for most of baseball history was you played baseball yourself and are friends with whoever's hiring you. Uh, pretty much. And, and I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating a little bit, but I don't think much. Um, no, you're not. I, I, that is basically what – that basically is what people who are in – I yes. I don't think that's much I – don't, I don't think that's very far from being exactly true. <laughs> so no. now, well, so now what you're seeing, though, is teams rethinking that entirely. And you're seeing more major league coaches who uh, didn't play in the major leagues, who – uh, you know, in some cases played a lot less than that. You look at Robert Van Scope being hired as the Dodgers hitting coach. He's a guy that basically was a so-so high school player who's now the hitting coach of a, of a major league team, which is truly uh, remarkable, both for my book and also just for uh, the future of baseball. <laughs> uh, it, it, and so that's, that's, that's definitely part of it. So, and the other thing I, I learned sort of related to that is that baseball players, and, and this is going to sound almost like a, a criticism. So I have to say this carefully, but I don't mean it as a criticism. Many baseball players don't know what they do mechanically or what they, the mental cues they give themselves right. do not necessarily match up with the physical action. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's totally, that's a normal like challenge in human physical performance and training that yeah. sometimes when you show the person themselves in video, they're like, there's no way I, my hands are set that high. Um, I asked a guy who, one of our colleagues who pitched in college, he posted a picture of himself in college. And I was like, I made a remark about his leg kick because his knee was like up to, up, buried up in his chest. He had a very, very high leg kick. And he's like, I had no idea my leg was that high until I saw that picture. 
Yeah, and you listen to like interviews with Alex Rodriguez talking about his swing, and and he will say, I always thought the swing down, be short to the ball, swing through the ball. And you watch what he's doing. He's not doing that at all. I mean, he's not being short to the ball. He's certainly not swinging down on the ball. Um, but that's how he thought, and it worked for him. But the problem is when people like that say that, uh, there's always going to be people, especially kids, that just you know do what they hear him saying, and it's a problem. Now you have all of these new coaches who are uh, using video, using other technologies. Now we're able to sort of map swing paths using by hooking yes. data up to computers and machines and whatnot to actually see like what the barrel of your bat is doing, what your hands are doing, uh, and being able to teach that and and. It's really, really fascinating. And to go back to how this started, that's also why I find Craig Wallenbrock personally so fascinating because he figured all this stuff out with no technology at all. Um, he just figured it out by watching you know, video, like old video from the 70s and figured out a way to teach it. Um, and now how technology just validated some of those ideas, which I find fascinating. It's made for a, a really fun uh, year plus working on the on the project and uh i really can't wait for it to be done also look in you know i can't wait to read it shameless plugging someone else's project uh ben lindenberg and travis sachik's book is coming out very soon uh we're doing we have different we're it's not not the same as mine exactly but also i think we'll touch on uh some of these ideas as well particularly from a data and technological uh viewpoint i'm very excited to read what they come out with as well so there's this 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 thing that like uh the the younger generation is better at discerning what is fact and what is bullshit on facebook and on youtube you know it's like you know and is is i think maybe that's part of this i'm totally speculating here that this ability to consume all this information and not get hung up on all the classic terms and just repeating the old dogma because it detaches from what you see. I mean, I wonder if if just we have this generational effect of it's, it's the technologies that, that people are used to being around and used to interpreting massive amounts of information. Those are the, the, the kids, the teens, the players today that are like, I, I'll listen to this other coach. I don't care if he played Major League Baseball or not because right. what he's saying connects with what I'm seeing and measuring and uh, otherwise, and it doesn't it, the the uh, appeal to authority of the MLB, you know, or twenty year minor league veteran type of thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Yeah, have, it doesn't say I'm going to listen to this guy because he's got tobacco juice stains on his shirt. It doesn't yeah. matter. Young players are definitely because of social media and being exposed to like different ways of thinking are way more likely to like go seek help on the outside than older players. There's no question. There's more exposure. It's also, and now because of guys like J.D. Martinez, Justin Turner, et cetera, having success, mm-hmm. it's also made it more acceptable. Uh, guys have been going to see outside help for a long time, but but secretly, or yeah. maybe secretly is the wrong word, but certainly not publicly, uh, you know, quiet. You know, I, again, from like working on this book, like gone to little, I've gone to speak, you know, had speak at length with Paul Canerco, with Michael Young, Ryan Braun, some of these guys that were like going to see Craig Wallenbrock back in the in the 90s and 2000s, um, but just no one knew. Um, because it was sort of not uh, kosher to talk about it, you know? Was it like against like the player culture, against like the teams, like don't go outside of our coaching tree type of thing? I think it depended on the team. I think some teams were, I think still there are some teams that aren't necessarily comfortable right. with their guys going outside. But also it was just like they, were, they didn't want to feel like they were disrespecting their coaches. They just didn't want to draw attention to the fact that they were going like away. And part of that's because I think that there's just sort of this natural belief that I think is perfectly reasonable, which is, uh, if the best coaching in baseball in the world has to be in Major League Baseball, because if it wasn't, wouldn't it be in Major League Baseball? And I feel like I probably believe that for most, most of my life because it's common sense. Uh, it's only later that I started to learn that, like, no, uh, baseball teams have been behind. In fact, college baseball, and now we're getting way off, way afield, what I'm actually talking about, but 
college baseball, I think, went so far in terms of coaching because it's had to be progressive. And now you're seeing so many low-level college coaches. Oh, they're, they're flocking small, out to them. Yeah, small, yeah, small yeah. Sort of anonymous college coaches from little schools uh, getting hybrid major league teams, which I think is really cool. It's the, the, the coaches who are the early adopters of the technologies, like, especially like the D1 schools, like assistant coaches at D1 schools who had the responsibility of working with the yeah. Jackman unit. Yeah. Well, those guys work for major league teams now. Yep. And it's, colleges uh, were ahead. Yeah. And, and, and it's really incredible because this stuff has been around for a long time. I mean, from, you know, teams have been collecting massive amounts of data from minor leagues since at least 2012, you know? So it's, you know, and major league baseball coverage, and that's my dog, uh, has been you know, obviously longer, but like, teams have been collecting this data and, and, and trying to do things with it. But I think it's taken all these years to have the subjects, the players themselves, like could just, you know, do it, but also have the people internally started to have like the kind of the progressive coaches who started using it. Um, like Brian Bannister was one of the first people, you know, he used it in his career and he used it, you know, as a coach and his role was kind of a, a new one, a player who was an analyst slash scouting coaching person. Now that type of role is becoming more and more common. Very common. Yeah. And I see like where every team wants an old player who understands data and can communicate it. It's the communication skill. And, you know, my dog never barks like this, guys. I swear to God. Surely there must <laughs> be <laughs> some squirrels. So, I'm, so, so uh, yeah. So it's really quite a uh, you know. Uh, it's I'm gonna go check on the dog. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Please do. We're dog. worried. About yeah, surely get well. Whatever was outside is gone. Surely okay. Everything okay? Yeah, something was upsetting her. I, seriously, she has never had a, a barking like outburst like that. So I don't know what it was. She seems okay. Okay, right. good. Well, I want to take this opportunity maybe to transition to um, two-way players and position players pitching and things like that. So yeah, sure. Yeah, let's go over the rule also uh, yes. as well. So Jared, yeah. you. you First, you wrote a piece a couple weeks ago, I think, um, that discussed two-way players and uh, talked about, like, specifically a, a few guys, uh, Shohei Otani, of course, um, and then Michael Lorenzen and Matt Davidson, among some other kind of secondary or tertiary players. Um, so we'll link to that in the show notes, but... Um, yeah, so uh, two-way players has been something that we've been interested in um, pretty much from the outset of our show here and, and have talked about quite a bit. Um, so it's certainly of interest here. Um, but let me let me try and pull up the, the new rule or if somebody else has it handy, fire away. Oh. Expected me to be prepared for class. <laughs> My dog ate the rule. Yeah, that's what she was barking <laughs> about. That's why she. This, this, this rule is not going down well with my dog. <laughs> Let me tell you. All right, here it is. All right, he's got it. All right. This is exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. By the way, they are dropping mound visits from six to five, which nobody will notice. The team stopped yeah. keeping track. I hit people were like, mount, mount, mount. "We don't need to talk to the pitcher." Anyways, okay. <clears throat> I'm actually gonna, just going to to uh, attempt to read this because I it's I'm going to do my best because it's confusing to me. The number of pitchers a club may carry on the active roster will be capped at a number determined by the joint committee, which is explained earlier. So we don't know exactly what that number is going to be yet. I have probably 13, 12. Okay. That would make sense. 12 or 13. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be 15. No, I mean, it's going to be. I think it'll be 12. I think 12. Yeah. Clubs. Okay. So then clubs may, clubs must designate each of its players as either a pitcher or a position player prior to each player's first day on the active roster for a given season. So your, your first 25 after opening day, before opening day, you're going to make a declaration. And then when a player is activated from the minor leagues, they make a declaration. What's not clear to me is that, yeah, okay, it rains effect for the player. Okay, that designation will remain in effect for the player and cannot change for the remainder of the championship season, which is regular season. 
and postseason. So even players traded or waived, sent down, or come back up, it's like the first day they're on an active major league roster that season. Prior to that game starting, they have to have a declaration of their position. That's a totally new thing in baseball. Yes, it is. Like we always talk about pitchers and hitters, but this is this is one of those things where it's like there is nothing anywhere about titling the job of a player on a roster other than convenience for fans reading a media guide or something like that. So this is new. So this is a designation and it's it sticks through the postseason. Mm-hmm. No player on the active roster other than those designated as pitchers by the club may appear in a championship season, regular season, or postseason game as a pick, pitcher except in the following scenarios. So that's it. So you're you're barred. You're if you're if you're listed as a as a hitter, you're not allowed to pitch except <laughs> except players designated as a two-way player. So this is where so this is the, the first part where I start feeling doubly confused is designated as and then it's then it's player qualifies as. So you, so even though it starts with the phrase designated <laughs> next yeah, okay. thing is the next word is a player qualifies. I'm like, wait, if I can't, which is it, you know? Okay. So I'm kind of, that's shifty to me. I just, I'd like to like that re- a rewrite, please. Uh, a player qualifies as a two way player only if he or she, excuse me, accrues at least 20 major league innings pitched and at least 20 major league games started as a position player designated hitter. They must have at least three plate appearances in each of those 20 games. So no fun flamming your guy into, uh, you know, like an opener strategy, although someone, one of our colleagues has already kind of floated that idea, but it sounds like it'll be hard. Uh, so it's got to be in the current season or the prior season, championship season. So your postseason games do not count towards this 20. So you can be pre-qualified from 20 last year or you can get your 20 in the current season and therefore become qualified. Which is confusing to me if you're not designated to be able to. So I, you know, it, this, this whole, the mechanics of that, I don't quite get. But also the, but the other thing is like, this feels like, like the fantasy baseball league, like rules. And that's yeah, me. You know, yeah. I don't, I was, I was trying to parse it too. I actually don't think it's that complicated. It might um, not. So let me, let's just go to the last couple bits of it. Because there's, there's other exceptions. So there's one. There's a designated okay. two-way player, which basically is like this, quote, designated thing. It's really you qualify by completing 20 of the, you know, you basically qualify much like you would in a fantasy baseball world. That's probably the easiest way to think about it. So whether even though it's called designated, it's not true. But there are exceptions from the following the ninth inning of an extra inning game. So in other words, in the 10th or later in it. I don't mind that you say that. Don't say that. <laughs> um, I guess unless there's a seven-inning game and it's an extra. I don't know. But anyways, at, once you get to the tenth inning, uh, you can then it's it's you can go off the list. So that's that's big right there. Uh, and then any game which you're the it's a six game six run gap. So any game which his team is losing or winning by more than six runs, so seven or more. Uh, the player enters as a pitcher. Enters as a pitcher. So, you know, so at that time, so it's like the game is now seven run difference. The all your players are now eligible to pitch. They can continue pitching even if the score closes. Kendall, yes, you have the numbers on this. Yes, so I asked because <laughs> Jared uh, just this probably won't change much. Yeah, I. Uh... I spe- I also thought I wonder where um, the current usage has been that fit within these parameters, and so I asked uh, Rob McEwen of Baseball Prospectus uh, if he could pull those numbers for me. So over the last three years, ninety-seven point five percent of position player pitching falls within these categories. So um, it was only in twenty seventeen where there were um let's see 15 plate appearances um that didn't fall within that so it's a it's basically 
seems like it's 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 created to to make sure that this doesn't go any further like this is like a stop sign i think to to teams to say like don't go crazy guys but in terms of changing how many position players we see pitching like it's it's probably going to stay the same although i will say that um year over year it it keeps growing so in 2016 there were um 114 plate appearances uh, that fit the, that um, criteria. In 2017, there were 153. And then in 2018, there were 319 plate appearances that fit that extra inning or six plus runs criteria. Mm-hmm. So uh, that keeps growing. And so I, I wonder if, if this is just Major League Baseball saying so, like. So, so it's not just the position player usage, but just the game situations, blowouts. Right. <laughs> that's That's interesting too. Because you've definitely seen teams let it go, and like, you know, that's why the whole run differential trick isn't as useful as it used to be in terms of calculating when you know Pythagorean wins and whatnot. But this is that's so basically this again, like although there's like this, it seems like an overly complicated twenty you know fantasy baseball rule for eligibility. It doesn't matter. Jared, what were you no. saying about um, like the rule where you were trying to parse it, like? Well, I was trying to understand how it affected. I was particularly interested in the idea of the, the designated two-way player and mm-hmm. how what that really meant. And I kind of, after doing a little research talking to people at MLB, I realized uh, one important thing about this rule is that it only refers to position players coming into pitch. It does not have any uh, bearing on pitchers playing the field, which means that if the Reds want to use Michael Lorenzen as an outfielder, they could do that to their heart's content because he'll be designated as a pitcher primarily, but that doesn't mean he can't go play center field any as much as they want in any situation. The only people this affects is position players coming into pitch, not the other way around, which that was something I didn't understand at first and now sort of do understand. Uh, I do wonder, uh, will we see anyone of us? Well, this year, Shohei Otani, won't qualify even as a two-way player. So I'm wondering, will we see anybody going into 2020 qualify as a two-way player? That would mean starting 20 games in the field or DH and 20, what was it, 20 pitching? 20 innings. Yeah, so, so it's 20 appearance. Well, it, it's a, you know, yeah, you, you've got to get 60 guys out. <laughs> yeah. And you got to so, bat 60, and you got to make it, literally, this is what it's saying. It's like you have to retire 60 batters at least, and, and, bat and you have to make at least 60 plate appearances. I wonder if, uh, yeah, so will Matt Davidson uh, be that guy? I don't know if he gets the 20 pitching appearances this it's, year. It's so. really hard to get. Yeah, I mean, twenty innings of pitching. Like, if you go and look, that's that's you're you're not going to have uh, too many really shady, fringy pitchers doing it. So, so Davidson yeah. have to be like an almost, you know, either for it's like the type of person who comes up part of the season and is a regular bullpen guy, or he's used, or Davidson has like kind of a normal role. It's possible. Yeah, I don't love that though. I wish that they. I, I kind of wish those. Uh, qualifications were a little bit different because I do think like a guy like Davidson, uh, you know, or Michael Lorenzen, who's primarily a pitcher. So not exactly, well, let's talk about, say Jared Walsh, the, the, the kid on Anaheim. Um, do we call, still call them Anaheim on the angels? The angels. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm old. I just showed my, uh, that was my growing up in the nineties, uh, part of my life. Uh, but like a guy like Jared Walsh is primarily a first baseman or whatever, and and the Angels are like trying him out as a pitcher. He won't break camp with the big league team, but let's just say hypothetically he did, and he ends up being good. Like I feel like that's such a valuable skill to be able to like pitch. And guys like that, like the Davidsons, the Walshes, the Lorenzens, well, those are not well, you know, Davidson Walsh. Those are not position players pitching in a jokey way. Those are. Those would be a, like with Davidson, the Rangers plan on using him as a pitcher legitimately, like because they think that he could be a useful pitcher to them. Maybe not a pitcher who would be their eighth inning guy, like have a set bullpen role, but a guy that reasonably can come into a game in a somewhat high leverage or medium leverage situation and get a couple of guys out. 
and I don't want anything that's going to discourage players from like that from emerging because I think they're really fun and interesting and actually quite valuable to a team as well. So I guess we'll see how this plays out. I, I love the two-way player. Like we we just like, like Otani is God around here. Um, oh, I agree with you on that. Yeah, it's like didn't you see the altar on the way in to the to the green room? You must we we'll oh, probably took you into the wrong way from the parking lot. Um, well, on the way out. Well, the, our people will show you that. Yeah, I basically, that. No, he's, he's, he is the best. He's like, it, it, we were like, is it going to like? If the, basically the arc of our show is, is Otani going to work out? Oh my God, he's working out. Too I, now he's hurt. I think we've already gotten an answer. Yes, the answer. Yeah, no, exactly. We've had the whole thing it, where he went work. way beyond. Yeah. It. He, it's like he he did all the Babe Ruth thing. Like he he did it. Like he actually. He actually was doing it. He's 24 years old. He's in a new country learning, you know, it's not a language he really speaks. And he is out there performing like, these baseball feats that aren't, we haven't seen in a hundred years. So I want more. <laughs> so I want like, uh, uh, was it Dylan McKay? And uh, Brendan McKay. Brendon, why did I say Dylan? Yeah, probably watching I don't know. that. I don't know. I don't know. The 90210 guy. Yes. <laughs> That was Dylan McKay. Uh, so Brendan McKay. Um, then there's there's more. There's there's I'm, I'm blanking because I don't have my list in front of me. Kendall, help. No, there are more, and I don't have the names in front of me. Either. Yeah, I don't remember. I, yeah, I just have the list I have is from from Jared's article. So it's and, and there Davidson will be Walsh. even more. Yeah, there will be. Yeah, McKay. Uh, in Davidson. Yeah, there are dozens more. There was a guy who was uh, at one point. This, this this is great great listening for our, our, some guy on one of the teams. I think it was an Angels there was some... guy they were going to have as a two way player, and he was waived, or the other way around. Um, but there's a few. I, I think it's going to happen. I agree. I don't know if people will meet the designation. So here's okay. So I would like the designation number to be lower, make it ten. But I get like if they're trying to like control it but to me having that designation would just be a neat thing for a player like i think it would just be cool here's a like, question on their card it's a two-way player two-way player yeah here's a question so the only reason why a team would not designate every single player as a pitcher or who might do this as a pitcher is because of the pitcher limitation on the roster is that right right yeah okay. exactly Otherwise. so th- these go hand in hand Yes. Yeah, that's why. That's yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you have to have, yes, you have to say this is what what this guy is and then they can go through the process of qualifying to be a two-way player as long as you use them. But I think Jared's point that's huge what they clarifying is that it the pitchers can go play in the field. Yeah. No, so there's really, nothing limiting yeah. that. So you can declare any, so any so any, the two-way designation and who can pitch it doesn't matter if you have a pitcher who's primarily a pitcher so maybe not a davidson guy i don't know how Davidson. michael lorenzen is the, yeah lorenzen's perfect so he's designated he's gonna be a pitcher if you have a guy that you think like could be a two-way player designated you would designate him as a pitcher primarily oh this you is great that. that makes there, yes totally you now totally. Even you just kind of on the sure fringe gonna, you have to be but you have to be sure you're going to use that guy yes. as a pitcher enough to wait to use a pitcher spot on him because like Matt Davidson, they go back to him. If you're not going to use him regularly as a pitcher, do you want to use one of your twelve or whatever pitcher spots You've on lost, this guy? Yeah, 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 you can't. You do not want to have a guy who can only think can get the twenty innings, maybe just you know, ten or thirty. With, it's like with you don't Lorenzen, want to make that. With Lorenzen, it's easy. You just he's a pitcher, and we're also going to let him hit, and it's fine. But if if it's a little if for other guys, it's a little more of a calculation. See, this gets interesting. It does. It does get it. It is actually very interesting. I mean, I don't think it's going to be that. I like. I don't think it's going to affect that many guys. No, it's not. It's not going to. It's not going to damage the game. It's not going to affect that many guys. But it will here and there make for some possibly interesting situations. Which um, is like that's the fun part, right? That's what we like. Yeah. It, and this definitely isn't putting a limit on the development of that role. It just makes no, sure. No, it's not at all. It, it doesn't. I don't think there's anything in the rules that say two-way playing is bad. This is just saying. Let's take it easy on the uh, carousel pitching, which you know what, fine. That's yeah, fine. I'm also why we can why we consider having a mercy rule. This why, why we consider allowing ties. Well, also. I'm oh don't even get me started on ties. I am the most pro tie baseball writer in the world. Oh really? 
I loved. I'm. I'm all. I'm As all I've in been on saying, I, I I cannot agree with you more on this. There should just be ties. Just end it. When you get to a certain inning, when you get to a certain inning, twelve, uh, whatever. Play a couple extra innings, one, two extra innings. I'm fine with. Yeah. Get beyond that. It's like, what is the point? Why are we still doing this? Interesting. Yes. There's there is absolutely no reason to continue. I to don't have. think baseball's like baseball game is going well if it's in the thirteenth inning. No, and and who who are you serving at that point? Yeah, that's like always the my fans question. are like they're not Ooh, there. The, the concessions have been stopped. Yeah, fans. Your, your broadcast partners are like, well, now I'm preempting the nightly news or or my you know whatever. And actually, everybody's on cable now, so it doesn't matter as much. But you no, definitely but, have a TV audience will be like, I'm not staying but, up. But they're they're not watching. No one's watching. And everybody, I will say, everybody like me who works like has to deal with data and things like that. I'd be very happy for there never to be another 16 inning West Coast game ever. Because <laughs> that just, <laughs> yeah, that just delays that's, all the pipelines. You know, it's like we have work to do in the morning. And just, yeah, I don't think anyone is served by a 15-inning game in July. Like, people, no one's watching on TV. The fans have all left. So who who's, like, benefiting from this game's existence? Like the players don't people who have the wear a badge of honor. Like, that they, you know. But they stuck it out. Yeah. It's like, well, why? The masochist club of baseball fans. It's not yeah. like you'd have this. It's not like you'd have ties in the postseason. It's just like. Right, and I think I and I think I read somewhere. I, I might have looked this up once because I was interested in the subject. Was like you know, this like ninety eight percent of games end within twelve innings. So if you ended it like after the eleventh or twelfth, you'd be affecting like just a handful of games a year. Another so you another where rule this that have affected the playoffs, like ever. What was that? Didn't somebody check and see like if you just ended every game after at that point? It would affect the, the that playoffs no, last no year. No team would have. No, no, yeah, no well, teams would I not did, have lost. I did, I did cover an 18 inning uh, World Series game. So, well, that's fine. That's yeah, maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah should, just last year. That's fine. That's that's fine to me. But the whole the point is that you didn't make it. Didn't change anybody's standings outcomes substantially. Like maybe right, and it, would, it, it wouldn't have like said, well, we would have won the division if it wasn't for uh, you know if we had the chance to win those extra inning games. Like, well, history shows that if we had taken away those extra inning wins and replaced them with just a 500 record in those extra inning games, teams still won the division. Well, so like, it doesn't make, make a difference. It's basically random they, at that point, anyways. When did it make the extra innings more fun? Because now you like you better go win the damn game. Yeah, like, go you for better it. Figure right. out, yeah, like it's going to change the way teams would manage play extra innings. Knowing that, like, if we don't score right now, it's like in a football game when it's getting close to a tie in the final five minutes of overtime. Like, you just have to like figure out a way to like score. You know, like yeah. Like suddenly, there's I, a huge, in- much bigger incentive. Yeah, you know, I, and I, I just it's better for everybody involved. Everybody should be working on the game. I mean, there is the beauty, like, and you do not lose the beauty of the uncertainty of the 27th out being recorded. You know what I mean? There's still there's you're you're not putting why baseball works is there's not a clock on the game and the, an extra inning rule is not a clock on the game it, it's just saying at this point the competition has concluded <laughs> and every every you still have to record three outs to end an inning you, you know it, and that that it, and that that will not change that beautiful fundamental part of baseball would not be impacted at all by saying games are over after the 12th yeah, I, I've been fine with it for years. I, re- I never talk really talk about this publicly because most people who again baseball fans on the internet uh, they lose their mind over the very idea. But like, I don't. I think it's like a perfectly good idea, like a perfectly reasonable idea. And it, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it's, I mean, mercy rule like, games. The problem is the, yeah. problem, the problem is whenever I say this, fans just go, "Oh, you're just one of those writers that wants to go home." Well, let me tell you something, buddy boys. <laughs> I have first of all I love baseball more than anyone. Second of all, in my current job, I don't spend regular season games at ballparks very often. So this doesn't affect me anymore. When I was on the beat, sure, I would I've liked to have gone home uh and not covered like 17 inning Mets games in Miami. Yeah, of course I would have, but it has nothing to do with it. There's nothing to do with it. It's just like like it's teams like it because they don't want to have to burn their bullpens for like a week. When they play a 16 inning game, and like it stops being fun after a while, like it just be look. It just to me, it's like occasionally it's really cool to have one of these mega long games. Okay, I will, but I like I'm not gonna lie. I've been like, this is an amazing thing. This game has been crazy. They've been scoring runs back and forth. It's the 15th inning, but 
it's really bad for a lot of the other people involved. <laughs> um, especially if it's on a getaway day, yeah. especially if there's been a rain delay. I, it's there's the beauty of baseball is that lengthiness and what you don't know, but there's also a practicality of this is an industry of like people flying all around playing games and <laughs> having to get ready for games. It's 162 games a season. There's all the ballpark facilities, all the ground crews. These are sometimes you know there's a concert coming in. You know there's always there's just not just us watching a game. So definitely there may be like, I remember a game where I watched through 16 innings and it was the greatest thing. I named my son after it and fine. But the reality is for the most part, it sucks and it's not great for people. And it'd be better if we just ended the games unless they're a playoff game. Unless, yeah, it's I, unless maybe in September we yeah, suspend I, the game. I've something. I thought that, well, hey, maybe we'd say after August 30th, then yeah. You, you trade, the point. new trade deadline is also the, you know, we start playing past extra innings. Like you add a I, couple. It's like come yeah. September, you're going to have to play the game out unless you're, unless both teams are already eliminated from the playoffs. Something like that. Like we can be sure. sane about it and just basically say this is a limited 12 inning game or this is a unlimited game can be played. You know, we do not know because it is, you know, of uh, it's just that won't be that hard and people right. will understand it. People, people it's not that hard. <laughs> I've covered, I've covered a lot of extra inning games, and they kind of follow a pattern. And that's like innings ten and eleven are kind of fun and exciting, and then innings like twelve through like sixteen or seventeen really suck. And then you sort of get to a point where it does come back around, where you're like, man, we're in inning nineteen. I wonder if this will go forty. Like at some point, you just start like. <laughs> Kind of, kind of feels like it. Or I think it's because you're like blood sugar's down because you haven't had anything to eat, you haven't slept. <laughs> and that 18 inning World Series game, I got to the point where I'm like, I started, you started thinking, what happens if it, if the sun comes up? Like that was well, amazing. You know, so at some point, but the reality is most, a very, 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 very few games get to the point where you're like, this is fun again. So I'm kind of like, I would rather sacrifice those to like not have the like many games that are just awful uh, because we're in like the 14th inning, like the game is just still going on. You know you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I actually think that the whole, this game is going to end. I, I need to try and score more aggressively thing that you don't see, you know, like it's like, you're going to like try and win. You know, I think that can happen. It's like, I, I maybe, you know, I don't, I don't think people like more likely to bunt players over in the extra innings or higher like Terrence score. But, like, but it's just like basically, you know, we're really. You, you wouldn't know, have to hold a guy back. Like, I want the win today, not the tie. And if yeah. I really value that win over that tie, I'm going to have to not just outlast my opponent, not just wait for luck after multiple innings of being the home team where I eventually just score, like actually have to just like strategize and maybe, you know, Plan your pitchers even earlier in the game differently because I would change pitching. You wouldn't have to like hold a guy back to be like your just in case we go right exactly. Guy, yeah, which is like no one no one likes that. But like or, yeah, yeah when the bench is empty, when it's like I have no players on the bench and we're bringing in like our yesterday's starter to pinch hit and pinch run, and it's like you, it's like no, no one needs it. that's it's, it's weird and a weird baseball. I can't like I I'm definitely into weird baseball. Like if it happens, you should enjoy it. But we don't necessarily have to just let it happen as much as it does. <laughs> it's like and games, like yeah, I, I like I, I'm with you. Most people don't agree with this. I'm very surprised to hear like other like baseball people who aren't baseball fans, like big baseball fans. When I talk to them about this, they're just like, yeah, like, why do they not do that? And I'm like, because you haven't met a lot of baseball. Fans. <laughs> That's the answer. And I, I love baseball fans. I love baseball. Baseball fans, uh, not again, not the most receptive to change. In my experience, well, I think this, okay. this this brings us to about the bottom of the twelfth. So um, let's wrap it up here, um, Jared. I appreciate you coming on um, again. Do you, does your book have a name or a pre-order link or anything like that? Not yet, yet. not there yet. So stay right. tuned. I'll have to come back tuned. on the show. I'll just yes, you do when that when that comes to pass. Hey, totally. I'm, I'm gonna and I'm gonna run the numbers on how many plays we're losing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> 
Let me know. Because now that's my job. <laughs> yeah, sure. well, thanks a lot. That was fun. up handspring, Arabian like a Hong Kong kick, or a weekend afternoon karate movie flick. Slept good, no justice, no peace. Woody kept it hoodie, never All right, thanks again to Jared Diamond for coming on today from the Wall Street Journal. And uh, again, we'll uh, link up some of his pieces and we'll definitely have him back when his book comes out later this year. Yeah, that was fascinating. I cannot, I didn't know that he was working on a book. Maybe I just, he mentioned it maybe in Twitter or something. I didn't notice, but I'm very happy to hear that as a book coming about hitting stuff because yeah, as he mentioned though, Travis and Ben's book will, will have some stuff on hitting, but mostly this has been about pitching. Um, right. And as I'm looking at a book on my desk right now about applied technology pitching by what the aforementioned Wayne Boyle, a little plug there for Wayne and his son, but it's, it's going to, I'm expecting to see books like that on hitting soon. Yeah. Cause it's uh catch up is happening. Yes. And more changes are coming in baseball to the Atlantic league. Yeah. So I, I, I think our listeners will probably know about this, but the Atlantic league is a longstanding, probably the top, independent you know minor league and professional baseball i think is that fair to say uh, as far as i know yeah yeah, yeah. so let's take like the frontier league's another one but i think pretty much like out of the you know unaffiliated pro ranks it's probably the you know premium one yeah sugarland skeeters is a they're Are, in that they? league right yeah i don't know so i don't know why it's called the atlantic league anymore <laughs> right but i think that's that's the league like tracy yeah. or that's the, the team tracy mcgrady played for and like you know, yes, kind of... yes, correct. Yeah, uh, and the Ducks, Long Island Ducks, like I, you know, Don Charles Willis went through there briefly. Rich Hill, on Rich Hill, Irish, yep. I think went through the Ducks. Um, people who read Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller is the only rule has historic. May remember the manager of that team uh, in the California Association being traded yes. away to an Atlantic League team, and so you may have some sense of where they stand. So they are kind of they do have a relationship with Major League Baseball, and they've always had some type of uh, rapport because of that pipeline aspect. But now Major League Baseball has signed a three-year agreement with the Atlantic League to experiment with rules and equipment changes. Tell us more, Harry. It's a big deal. It could be. It's. It's. I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> but basically, it covers all sorts of things, like moving the mound back. Yep. Like two feet, right? Two Moving feet, the back yeah. two feet. And uh, uh, using the TrackMan radar. One thing is they're installing TrackMan radars in all, not full stat cast systems, but the pitch tracking, batted ball tracking. Uh, so you won't have player tracking, but just the ball that you're used to today. Um, that will be installed in the Atlantic League parks, and that data will be made available to the major league teams. I don't know if it's going to be public or not. We'll find out. But that's a good thing. But they're also planning on using that to, to call balls and strikes. Now, they've kind of waffled and gone back and forth. I'm not really clear where it's going to be. I, I think they're, they're basically, in doing this, um, acknowledging like pretty much everything that we've always said uh, and kind of referring back to, the, to what we talked about in the opening today about the article that Wayne and the group yes. wrote about this. It pretty much verifies what we're saying, which is like, hey, it doesn't capture every pitch, and it's not quite there yet, and there's certain things, and... Uh, so they're talking about it like just being as an augmentation, perhaps, and like, oh, really? <laughs> and we talk in great deal, detail about this in episode yeah. 17. So if you want to yeah. hear more from uh, Wayne and Sean and Harry, um, I don't think Jeff was on that sh- that episode. He might have been, though. I don't remember. Yeah. So there's, sorry, there's that's going to be – sorry, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Jeff – wherever you know uh, we maybe we didn't tell them about it yeah, uh, it's awkward we had um but there's gonna be we're gonna uh talk a lot more about this you know we're gonna try and cover it as it goes uh but also try and connect uh ourselves and therefore you listeners to some people who you know cover the league and they have some understanding of how the players may feel because some of the early concern is that some of these changes may be too dramatic for the players to be comfortable with and may somehow drive them to go pitch in the Frontier League instead. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that, because as kind of alluded to with Jared in our main segment today, change can be a little bit scary for baseball people. Uh, some of these changes do scare me, but maybe they aren't as scary as I think. 
maybe they're not what I think they are because it's not clear yet. Right. And uh, so as it becomes clear, we'll we'll try and share it, and or make it clear if it never does. Right. So. All right. Well, we'll stay tuned for that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at stolen underscore signs. Email be stolen email stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com. Uh, find us wherever you subscribe to podcasts and subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. We will talk to you next time. Oh, yes. Goodbye, baseball!